Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Otaku Brothers Review, separate from our usual show where we will be focusing on a specific film, TV show, or game review. My name is Rusty, and today, as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How are we doing? Great. We just finished the movie, and uh, we'll, we'll review it. Yeah, so Ryan and I, I chose a I don't movie. Wanna, I was going to be like, here's my thoughts, and then I was like, we actually have a script on this one. Yeah, we do. It's a little kind bit of. more focused, structured conversation. We chose a movie for this first introductory segment of this show, uh, where we reviewed Parasite, which is a film that came out in 2019. The back end of the year and something that was completely not on my radar until Oscar nominations started coming out and it was kind of, there was all this buzz surrounding this movie and I didn't really know what to expect going into it is director Bong Joon-ho, who is a South Korean film director and screenwriter. I had not really heard of any of his movies until I kind of did a little bit more research. The only American film that I had heard of that he directed was Snowpiercer. Oh yeah, where really he did that one. Chris Evans was in that movie. I was actually watching it the other day. It's an amazing movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Some were theorizing that it's a sequel to um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Really? Yeah. It's on Netflix, so go watch that one as well. It's it's really interesting. Awesome. Well, I would tell you that moving forward, his movies... Have you seen it? Wait. Have you seen that one? No, considering I was completely clueless 30 seconds ago when we were oh, talking yeah, about it. Touché. Yeah. We should watch that one as well. Okay. Well, Ryan and I have a number of movies that we want to eventually review for this segment of the show, but I think Parasite was a great way to kick this segment off. Mm-hmm. It was something that I definitely had zero expectations going in. I watched the maybe minute and a half, two trailer going into this movie, and even from that, I had no understanding or concept of what the plot was going to be. I did know going in that it was going to be a foreign film. It was a Korean cast, so I would have to read subtitles over the course of this two-hour-plus movie. But again, from a plot perspective, I had no understanding what I was getting myself into. Yeah, the trailers don't tell you anything at all. No. You just see basically a family in a nice house, and then, yeah, you have no idea. It was kind of just a montage of shots of people walking. It looked very suspenseful. Kind of gave me the... I, I kind of figured maybe it was like a thriller horror type film, but I still didn't have a clear idea. Yeah, for some of the like the walking up the stairs scene was in the trailer... Or like outside where they did the like little hand thing when they were about to ring the doorbell mm-hmm. was in the trailer. That means nothing to any of these listeners. But no, it, yeah, you'll watch but, the trailers and uh, you'll have about the same amount of clue as we had. Which is great because I think if you look at trailers nowadays for blockbuster films like Avengers Endgame or certainly Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is probably the, the worst uh, example of them all about how much it's giving away in the trailer. Those yeah. two minutes and 30 seconds can give away a significant portion of the plot before you even enter the theater and sit down and watch it. And I feel like for listeners that want to go into this completely unspoiled, uh, which Ryan and I are going to do our best to do a completely unspoiled or non-spoiler-filled discussion of the film because I feel like this is something that you have to see having no idea what you're getting yourself into, completely fresh and raw. Otherwise, I don't want to say it's just going to be a disappointment, but it's kind of like almost like the sixth sense where there's just key plot points in this film that you don't want to go in having a, having known it's going to happen. Yeah, because we were on the edge of our seats basically the entire time. And we stopped the movie at certain points to say, hey, 
what do you think is going to happen next? Or how do you think this is all going to wrap up? And then it went, we had no idea how it was going to end. And we were both wrong. Yeah, I would say whenever we thought X was going to happen, Y happened. It was just really unpredictable. And I think for that alone, you have to give the director credit for just making a completely unpredictable film. That just by the end of it, you're kind of scratching your head like, what the heck did I just watch? (laughs) Yeah, but in a good way. In an absolutely good way. So, Ryan, let's kind of get into the different bullet points here that we kind of want to touch on. I guess from an acting perspective, the characters that portrayed these two families that are kind of in the center stage of this film. Like, What what did you think about that? The actors did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, try not to... How do I word this? They were acting as actors... Does, does that make sense? Absolutely there, not. Okay. Well, there's... I'm trying not... I don't know how much I can give away without being spoiled. There's some things we can get, give away. So I think in a very bare minimum, there's really two families here. One is very impoverished, doing everything they can just to, to make, make ends meet. They basically fold pizza boxes for a pizza shop and get pennies for doing so. Yeah. Contrasted with this very high-class family where this wife and two kids have this gargantuan house. The husband, of course, works this crazy job where he's traveling all the time, barely is ever home. And this young boy that's part of the impoverished family gets this little slight chance to come in and help this family as a tutor. Yeah, and then he gets the opportunity to... or. And the tutoring position was someone in college for someone in college, and he's not. Mm-hmm. So he has to act to portray himself in like a col or as a college student. Yeah, he basically. So yeah. the actors who are acting in the movie are acting as other characters. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I understand what you're kind of trying yeah. to say because I've seen the movie, and I think the listeners will kind of understand where you're going with that. Yeah. So, um, so they're basically playing two characters mm-hmm. themselves, and then the their personas with the second fam, the rich family. And I think they did an amazing job. I bought all of their actions. No, I think so too. And I think the wife of the rich family in particular was incredibly naive. She yeah. was buying into everything that this other, you know, impoverished family was selling them. Uh, Cause this, this impoverished family was just trying to make them, their way into this rich family, the different roles, like they had a housemaid and a, uh, a chauffeur for the husband, a tutor person, someone that needed to watch the son. And so this impoverished family was just trying to make their way into this rich family's lives so that they could take advantage of their wealth. That's all I'll go as far as the plot because that's generally speaking what you can kind of maybe interpret from the trailer or at least get from basic uh, synopses on the internet. Yeah. And so Ryan and I were kind of watching this movie. Everything's kind of playing out. And I would say we got about 45 minutes to an hour in, and there's just this key plot point that happens in that like, maybe one hour mark where you're just like, oh shit, that's that's where this plot is going. And it's not even something that you can predict. It's just completely flips the plot on its head, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. And then it's just nonstop craziness for the next hour and 15 minutes, maybe, of the movie. Yeah. it's. I want to talk about it so bad without... Um, it's definitely... I don't know if it's like six cent plot twist, but at the same time, it was pretty high up there mm-hmm. for like right turns, almost like a lost kind of twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's granted there's no like polar bears in a forest or that come out of the out of nowhere, but it's kind of like lost level twists. And I think maybe to that point, there's things that happen so early on in the film that have payoffs later on. Yeah. And I think that's why this movie is going to require repeat viewings, at least for me personally, because 
even from the beginning shot of the film to the very last shot of the film, there's even connections there where it's like, oh, wow, okay, so it's basically the same frame but a different backdrop. And I think just speaking to the cinematography for a, a brief second here, we can even expound upon it here a little bit, but I thought it was just brilliant. Like, the shots were so brilliantly done because in the living room, it would just be this complete shot of the entire living room to capture everything and in almost this diorama shoebox you had all these characters interacting this wild scene that was super chaotic and crazy but it captured all of it without these personalized camera shots but then there was also moments of the film where they had those personalized camera shots and they would zoom in on the hand or zoom in on the the characters faces their eyebrows raising their eyes showing emotion and kind of capturing those moments i thought it was just very purposeful in how each shot was filmed. I think so too. It's very similar to thinking of us. Do you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw it together. Yeah, it's. I would kind of put it at parallel with us. Very much like so. The level of cinematography, the very strategically shot and like repeat viewings mm-hmm. to kind of parallel beginnings with the ends of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the shots, the emotion on some of the close-ups and like the amount of stress just because of how things are shot and where the characters are placed, mm-hmm. I was anxious. Yeah. For like, I think after that main kind of twist after 45 minutes, I had like anxiety the entire rest of the movie. Well, because there's, there's these shots where there's characters talking and they're having these conversations that just keep going. And going almost obnoxiously long where it's like where the hell is this going but there's purpose to it because it's supposed to make the viewer anxious and like at the edge of their seat like freaking out like is someone gonna barge in like, is there gonna be like what's gonna happen you don't yeah. really know and you can't really the unpredictability of it all it makes you that much more stress stressed and, yeah and all the car scenes really freak me out and there's a few of them and it's they're in the trailer um, but I always expect like a semi to come out of nowhere and just railroad these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's in a ton of movies and it just stresses me out just to see people in a car. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it was really well shot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was really, really brilliant. And I think one of the things too about this film is that with there being so many tense and stressful moments, they contrast that so often with some of the most hilarious dialogue and banter between the two families. Yeah, I. The thing, like, see, looking from the outside and knowing how naive the rich family is to all the craziness behind the scenes, and then seeing, like, shit happening in the background, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, if they turn around, or if, like, if they were a couple seconds, or did, like, turned left at that point shit would be going down. They would catch wind of what's actually going on here. Yeah. And it, it's. I think it's really, the movie was really well named, mm-hmm. Parasite. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out, like, what does it actually mean? Like, looking into the metaphorical meanings for that. Um, there's Everything's a lot of, metaphorical in this movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, repeat words, and metaphorical was one of them that, like... The young son just kept randomly using, even at times when it wasn't really, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. He's like, oh, that's... That scene is metaphorical, and you're like, oh, okay. You look at a painting and you just be like, oh, it's so metaphorical. It's a metaphor. Is is that an ape? <laughs> no, that's my son. And you oh, would, shit. <laughs> and he wouldn't tie, yeah, it's a self-portrait. He wouldn't tie the, like, the metaphor back to a specific thing, like, oh, I see what this is what it's trying to tie back to. It was just, it's just metaphorical. 
Doesn't matter him being like trying to sound college educated. Yeah, I think that's more of what it was. Um, Yeah, it it was a really intense time. Yeah, and I think one of the things too that I look uh, I look for in, in movies, video games, television shows, whatever it is, it should be no surprise on this podcast is music and particularly film scores. I'm very um, adamant about those and whether it's Interstellar or the Pirates of the Caribbean movies or Harry Potter, John Williams, like those soundtracks can so often make or break a film because while the picture or, or what you're witnessing on screen, um, no matter how bombastic it is, the music kind of brings that emotional piece to it. Yeah. And I think in this movie, the, the music is so sparse, like it's it's very rarely there, but when it is there, it's very effective. Yeah, I don't know if I even remember any music. I don't really hear that because I was trying to focus on reading. Um, but as far as like the tone set by the contrast between having no music mm-hmm. and those like going around corners and like preparing yourself, and then when it actually hits with the payoff, the music there, you were saying it's almost like a horror theme. Yeah, and I think that's why I, I have an eye for it or an ear for it, if you will. So when what the young boy was walking up to tutor uh, the, the rich person's daughter, yeah. when he opened the door, you heard this high screech strings as if it, we were watching Us, the yeah. movie by Jordan Peele. You know, it had that very horror-like vibe to it. But then when stuff was getting very chaotic around the one-hour mark mm-hmm. and just shit started hitting the fan and everyone was kind of scattering and freaking out, there was choirs singing. I didn't even hear that. Yeah, so there was choirs like singing this ange- these angelic like hymns, like, oh, like just freaking out. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, this is getting so intense. And then when it got even more intense, it was just fast high strings as if we were watching us. Like if you remember watching the yeah. trailer for us, and the, or even if you listen to the search by NF, because he took inspiration from us to make that song because it's very high stringy and it just, again, gets that sense of anxiety and uh, like suspense buildup, if you will. It also reminded the intense moments. Also reminded me of the music from um, what's the one with the girl who gets decapitated in the car? Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah, kind of similar to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really well done. I am still coming down from like the stress induced. Well, that's why I told you that I want to do these reviews like a day after the fact because we need time to kind of gather our thoughts and think about like what we actually just watched for two and a half hours. And I think so moving forward, we're going to try and at least, even if we record it at the back end of Saturday and that why I wanted to review this on Sunday, because again, we have so much going on in our brain and trying to make sense of it all. Like right after the fact is a little challenging. Yeah. So we'll, we had to watch this one together. Unfortunately, I had to sit in the same room as Rusty for two and a half hours, hours. but we'll probably, depending on the movie, watch them during the week mm-hmm. and then record on like a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because a lot of the movies on our list are things like Princess and the Frog or um, the shockingly evil, wicked and vile movie with Zac Efron. Snowpiercer now. Th- yeah. Those movies are on Netflix and streaming services that we can easily access apart from this Blu-ray DVD or Blu-ray that I had um, <laughs> that you had not yeah. purchased yourself. So moving forward, that's kind of like the, the route we're going to take with this. And I with this movie specifically, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, I wanted to not go into any key plot points just because it is something that I don't even want people to be tempted to listen to in terms yeah. of spoiling this movie for themselves. It's, again, a little tough to get access to because it's not on streaming services, select theaters. It came out in October of last year, so you're not going to be able found to... It, where did you find it at? Just Amazon. I mean, you can buy the okay. movie anywhere, really. Um, but 
again, whether you want to buy into a movie that you know really nothing about and it's going to be a movie you're going to watch for years to come, I personally feel like it is a movie I will watch for years to come because as I compared it to Sixth Sense earlier in the show, I think it is a movie that there's just so many things that happen throughout it, again, that have payoffs later on that you wouldn't notice otherwise unless you watched it multiple times to see, oh, okay, so that happens later in the film. I just saw kind of a tease for that right there. You know, that'll happen later on. Yeah, so, I mean, probably next time I watch it, I'll be looking more in the background opposed to reading all the words and stuff. Yeah. Because it is subtitled, so you're most of the time you're looking at the bottom while kind of kind of looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. So once I know what they're actually saying, I can look in the background to see if it hints at a, any of the craziness to come. Yeah. Well, I think that's, again, what's so brilliant about the movie that... I watched Apocalyptico, Apocalyptico, I think it was what it was called. Mel Gibson. Apocalypto. Apocalypto. Yeah, Mel Gibson directed. It was kind of like this ancient Mayan movie yeah. where a lot less dialogue focus. So you were able to focus on what was on screen at any given time, kind of what was actually happening. Yeah, a lot more human sacrifice. Yeah, but I think that this movie, even though there was a lot more dialogue, it was so. I don't want to say it was so focused on the cameras because, again, there were those pan out shots, but I feel like during the pan out shots, There was less dialogue, so you're able to kind of capture what was actually going on on screen. But when they were focused on the individual characters with the filmmaking, again, it was more dialogue heavy, so you were reading, but still able to see what was happening on screen without being too distracted with the subtitles. Yeah, I know there was zero talking when they're walking through the town. Yeah. um, After one of the major events, and they were all really the draw distance. I don't know. We'll have to look and research the actual terminology for some of these actually uh shot type. the filmmaking choices yeah. yeah but the way that they shot it is very artistic mm-hmm. well yeah like i think it was just it was exaggerated like they didn't need to have these multiple shots of them running through this town while it was pouring down rain but they did it anyways to kind of mm-hmm. almost show the exaggerated trek back to where they needed to get to and how far from that lifestyle they are yeah it, it shows their I mean, they're running through, like, the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it really puts in perspective they're going, they're from, like, nowhere. Mm-hmm. The very end of the bottom of the slum. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think, and to that point, I think the movie is very poetic in the messaging it's trying to convey. And I think maybe at the heart of it, it's kind of like, how far are you willing to go to help and save your family? And I yeah. think over the course of its two and a half hours of, of film, it's, it is, I think, mostly trying to capture that message is just how far are you willing to go? And then, oh, yeah, by the way, there are some choices you might make in life that kind of bite you in the ass yeah. based on the decisions you make trying to help your family. It really reminded me of the kind of jo- the Joker, the new Joker feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that play on it's us versus them, uh, the rich and the poor, and how different. And how the poor are treated and looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got that vibe. It's not like in your face, but you can definitely see the disparity. Yeah. And trying to like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. And one of the quotes that, and I guess kind of going along that same uh, line of thought, one of the things that the dad said to the boy kind of towards the end of the film. Yeah, you even called it right before he said the line. Yeah. Yeah, because he asked him like, you know what the best plan is? And he said... And I was like, 
plan that isn't executed. (laughs) And the dad basically said, um, no plan at all. And so his overall messaging to his son was, if you make a plan, life never turns out that way. And so just as they were in complete disparity and, and poverty in the beginning of the movie, they kind of find themselves in a similar place towards the end as well. And I think that's kind of the overall messaging is just that, I don't know, you can't cheat to get to the top sort of thing. It, it's tough to see like, or really understand what's really going on and what, what the, the director really had in mind in terms of a vision for the film. Yeah. I think there's definitely multiple interpretations, just as there's multiple interpretations with The Joker or The Sixth Sense or any of those movies that have a lot of underlying themes within them that are kind of interwoven. Even Us, I think you could kind of find some underlying themes in that. Yeah, this definitely requires a rewatch. Um, I'm just thinking back to like every instance that you should they show those characters. Is there a time that they ever crossed over to each other's lives? Was the rich ever acting in a way that like the poor family acted? Mm. Did they ever clash, or was it the like poor family trying to escape that poorness? Or being poor, poorness, and get into the higher classes. I'm trying to think. Did the yeah? Did the rich people ever do anything that would be? I don't think the rich class? people ne- never um, like dip their toes into like to poverty in, in that sense. But I think even when the impoverished family had the chance to be wealthy, I think there was some serious introspection with the characters, and they came to the realization that I don't fit in here. Yeah. I mean, there were literally times where they were quoted themselves as saying. I just don't think I meet this lifestyle. Yeah. This isn't who I am type of thing. There was that cool scene where they're all kind of discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives a lot of, I get depth of the characters. And yeah, it, it, that scene alone requires a rewatch. Yeah, well, because I think that was one of the instances, if we're thinking about the same scene, drinking was involved. Yes. Yeah, where it just kind of kept going on and Lots on and drink. on. Yeah. <laughs> And it was kind of just like, what are we getting at here? Like, maybe there was more dialogue I should have been reading into, facial expressions. But yeah, it was kind of like just this family pretending to be something they weren't for just a brief moment. And you feel bad for the dad. I I felt bad for the dad. The The whole movie. movie. Yeah, I think so. And I think that was intentional in, in how that he was portrayed as a character. Yeah. So as far as pacing goes for the plot, how do you think... I thought it was brilliant because at the very moment where I was kind of thinking, where is this going? Bam, it sped up. And it was just kind of like I didn't have a chance, a chance to catch my breath the rest of the movie. Yeah. I th- yeah, it was around the 45 minutes or yeah, maybe a third into the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say that it goes another third and then everything picks up again. Yeah. So it, the second you get comfortable with the pace of the movie, it picks up mm-hmm. and just takes a right turn. Yeah. Which I think is perfect. No, I think so too. Yeah, because again, it's just they're constantly subverting expectations. If you want to pull a Ryan Johnson term into the but the he did it here. like every five minutes, so like you're constantly getting whiplash from going back and forth. This one, the way it was kind of set up was you had 45 minutes to establish the characters and get them grounded in their current positions, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, is this entire movie going to be this poor family? with this rich family and all it's all happy and stuff mm-hmm. and then you're trying to figure out if they're going to take over or whatever and then you get to that scene with the drinking involved and then it takes a right turn 
just hard. And then you're like, okay, oh crap, like, I don't know where this is going to go. There's some liabilities involved. And then you kind of ride that for the next 30 minutes. And then it's like that last 25 minutes where it's just like, strap in, folks. We're not stopping until the credits roll. Yeah, and then I think it came down really well at the end. Yeah, I feel like the last five minutes, it was it was a outstanding conclusion to an otherwise roller coaster ride of a film. And I felt like, yeah, like my anxiety levels dropped. My heart rate and blood pressure was at a reasonable level. Yeah. And then I honestly was very satisfied with how it ended. Yeah. I, I was too. Um, yeah, so what, what would you give this movie? Yeah, I mean, I, this is a pretty quick review, but this is the the purpose of these episodes, Ryan, and I don't want to drag this out. I mean, a Rise of Skywalker review, I think we had unspoilery thoughts for 40 minutes before we get it in, We got into key plot points, and yeah. we were excited. You know, it was 12 o'clock in the morning. We were a little sleepy and everything like that, but Ryan and I want these to be very condensed film reviews or tv show reviews or even video game reviews i think if we do a video game review that might be a little bit longer than these you know 30 snippet 30 minute snippet reviews but again we want to be mindful of people's times and especially for something like this where we don't want to go into spoiler territory that much i feel like we might have already overstayed our welcome in that sense there's still so much to unpack though that we haven't gotten to that is just critical to actually seeing the movie and understanding and interpreting it for yourself but yeah, if we talk about the cinematography, the outstanding acting in this nice balance between suspense, thriller, and comedy, and it being a foreign film and having to read subtitles for over two hours, which never once did I feel like was a slog or it was dis- disrupting my enjoyment of the film at all in any sense. If anything, it kind of added to it because there was these people that speak a different language than us. These actors that aren't Americans. We're watching Americans on screen or English actors all the time. So we expect them to emote a certain way when they're using certain phrases or slang. But in this, it's, it's a foreign language to us. So it's a foreign way of acting as well. And I think that the actors that portrayed these characters did so well, uh, at least for me as an American audience member, watching these Korean actors act on screen, I thought the way they emoted just, it made sense. Whether it was the way I would expect an American actor it made I didn't you know it didn't matter I think the mom was the best example of that which one oh that's touche the uh, the rich mom yeah um, after a while I mean you get used to the reading the subtitles and it, they end up just you hear their voices but you kind of tailor how you read to that voice that you already that you can hear um, I think the mom was the best indication of like her being like not exaggerated but very because she's more simple that they touched on more out there and boisterous about her responses yeah um yeah it was overall just amazing yeah the way yeah the way it was shot the acting um between really all the actors yeah there's never a poor performance i don't think or i can't point out one actor that would be poorly acted or no done? i don't think so at all maybe and the peeing guy yeah for something that i care so much about in movies which is music i felt like in this like ryan you didn't even really notice it most of the time but i think that's it, it almost lends itself better for the movie because however subtle it is it's obviously effective because you were still really anxious and probably in you know the back of your brain you weren't even registering that this gospel choir was basically prepping your body for this crazy ass scene that was about to take place yeah, and you and weren't I, even registering that there was a choir playing, you know? No, I almost like it better that way, that I just feel it and subconsciously understand that there's music there or isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I would also love to have the ability to actually hear it. Well, I think you'll notice it more in repeat viewings. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Yeah, so do we want a grade out of 10? Yeah, I think moving forward, like a 10, and you could do like a a 5, 5, 6, 5. Like I think a half score is fine. But anything, if you get into anything more than that, I think it's just like, how do you distinguish a 7.7 versus a 8.0? Like what's, you know, so I think for me, I need to watch it a couple more times to really solidify my opinions on the film. But I think I'm giving this a solid 8.5. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking more 9, 9.5. Are you really? See, yeah, it's, it's tough to lock see. in my opinion to this movie, but... Um, I can't picture one point in the movie that I would do it differently. It's true. Okay. Well, uh, you, you know what? I'll give it a 9.0. Okay. Cool. I've convinced you yes. to give it a half. You give it a 9.5? Yeah. Probably right. 9, 9.5. Um, I think it might go up if after repeat viewings Mm -hmm. um just understanding what's hidden there yeah and seeing the like aspects of the sets that you don't that aren't important in the beginning but constantly become more important yeah and like some of the poor daughter's dialogue foreshadows stuff that you're like oh that's why this character did this yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, mm-hmm. but like you're like that makes way more sense, and I I can't, I think the inability to pick out what I would change or what where I'd veer off in the plot uh, is a reflection lends of your to nine five. Okay, well, well we're borrowing from the Tarkaron podcast again. Please check them out on YouTube. They're also on Anchor. We are borrowing from their review style, so they typically um, do an average of the two co-hosts, Zach and Alex, scores. So you had a 9.5, I had a 9.0. We're coming in a new Talking Brothers review score of 9.25 for Parasite. Definitely want to keep Bong Joon-ho's future movies on my radar, and we'll definitely have to watch Snowpiercer. He apparently had another movie, too, that was um, kind of like set him on the map. I think it was a similar name to Parasite, but we'll have to give it all a watch, Ryan. I'm definitely intrigued in his future filmmaking. And uh, yeah, I think a great way to kick off this new segment of the show. Yeah, definitely go out and watch this. Um, if you want us to cover any more aspects of a movie, like a different variable that we can add on, mm-hmm. we do want to keep it to like 40 minutes-ish. I don't know where we're at now, but um, if there's another aspect of the movie on top of this you'd like us to add to, for future movies, just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And if you end up watching Parasite, please drop into the Discord. Link is in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts about the film. Again, I'd be very interested to hear other people's thoughts about this because as a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting glowing reviews across the board. I'm hoping it gets at least one Oscar win. I know it's nominated in a number of categories, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a competitor for Best Picture in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for watching. We will be back with our normal show next week. See you.